Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you, even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. So we left off with LLC, and that kind of kicks off into a bunch of other similarly fragmented tools, or, or rather fragments of other tools, um, and, and how those tools fit together, like LLC and LLI and LLVMAS and LLVMLink and all these other things, um, how they fit together is kind of up to your workflow. So I realized as I was working through some of these commands that I may have, during the GCC discussion, maybe I made it seem too much like certain components or certain parts of GCC were like it was a direct tool chain that was then gathered up by GCC. And, and, and sometimes that's not exactly true. There was some overlap there, like when you're generating uh, a symbol, a assembly code, I think there was the GCC dash capital S, but technically that's kind of redoing, I think, some of the preprocessing, which itself was done, or I could be getting the details here wrong, but you know, there, there were some steps that, that kind of repeated previous steps, which seems odd if you think of it, well, these, these individual things should fit together, and that's not always necessarily the case, because sometimes your, your workflow is simply going to stop with a dash S or a dash E or a dash C or whatever, and then you're, you're handing it over to some other tool entirely. So I want to kind of, on the one hand, I want to do, I do want to make it clear how these different segments do fit together in a larger sort of picture, but at the same time, they are individual commands in LLVM, and that kind of highlights better than maybe I did in GCC that sometimes the workflow demands just this component, and then the output that you get from that one component is all you needed. That's what you needed to pass it on to some other place. So uh, they are separate. And for that reason, I'm not going to string them together. I will simply say, which we've already covered, if you have hello.c and you want to end up with hello, an executable for your system, then the the the, the quote-unquote right command for that would be clang, and that would produce the application that you would run on your on your platform. Like that's that's what you're really after. However, there are sometimes times that you're not after just an executable. You need something else, whatever that something else might be for whatever purpose you may have for it. And I don't have an example. I don't have an example use case for some of these things, but that doesn't change the fact that they're potential things that you could get. So I'm going to generate, as I often do, a little hello.c application, and we'll do include um, include hash include standard io.h. We'll do a int main parentheses void close parentheses curly brace, and then we'll do a print f parentheses quote hello world backslash n close quote close parentheses semicolon, and then we'll do a return zero semicolon, and finally 
a closing curly brace. That's the application, hello.c. Yep, that looks pretty good. And I guess I'm just gonna really quick like do a clang hello.c just to make sure that it that it's all valid. And it does look like it is. So if I execute a.out, I get hello world back. So that's just wanted to make sure I didn't I didn't mistyped or something like that. Um okay, so like I say, clang dot or clang hello.c, that produces your output. That's what you're looking for half the time, probably more than half the time, 99% of the time. That's all you and I possibly need to know, assuming you're exactly like me. And you may not be. Um, so maybe your percentage is different, but you know, for general use, clang hello.c is what you're looking for. And I guess you could even go farther and say, well, more than likely, some percentage of that, you're not even running Clang directly. You're just invoking it from a makefile that does all the things for you. But let's say that you needed, you had a different workflow. You need, you need some other kind of output, not an executable. Well, the, the next, I guess there's no point in going in any kind of order other than the one provided here, maybe. Um, I might backtrack on that, but yeah, let's start with LLC. LLC, com uh, uh, according to the LLVM website, llvm.org slash docs slash command guide slash LLC dot HTML, uh, compiles LLVM source input into assembly language for a specified architecture. The assembly language output can be, then be passed through a native assembler and linker to generate the native executable. It's important stuff. Okay, so LLC is going to... Oh, now I see. Now I see my mistake. Yeah, I do need to do this a little bit in a little bit in in a specific order because otherwise, some of this isn't gonna. We're not gonna have the file types that we would need to demonstrate something. So okay, let's do this. Let's pretend like you wanted to. This is unrelated to practically. Well, no, it's not really. Well, anyway, let's um let's pretend for a moment that you needed to expand your C macros for some reason. I don't know why you would need to do that. Let's say you just want to get all your C code into one place. So you could do that similar to the way that you would do that with GCC. And for the details on this, you can go back and listen to episode 398, read the excellent show notes provided by Linuxoid at mastodon.ml, and kind of wrap your head around that. But similar to that, in the Clang or slash LLVM world, we could do Clang dash capital E. It doesn't stand for anything. It's just a a letter, uh, dash capital E, and then, and this is important, dash emit dash LLVM. It's quite confusing that with, with Clang, y you have to specify that you want to emit LLVM formatted code. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why that would be, but, I mean, I'm sure there's a very good reason for it, but that took me a long time to sort of get to that point of of realizing oh i'm i'm omit i'm omitting the dash emit dash llvm option and that's messing me up so anyway that's important so we're going to point it to hello.c and then we're going to redirect the output to hello.i now if i do a file on hello.i i see that that has rendered a, um, some c source code in ascii text the word count or the uh, line count for hello.i, oops, is boy, am I not typing well today? 742, and of course you'll remember that the hello.c application uh, that we that we hand wrote was six lines of code. So that's pulling in a bunch of other stuff 
from all over the system to ensure that the code is really, really complete. That's clang-e-emit-llvm space hello.c and then redirect it to hello.i. And hello.i, I don't even know if that's the if that's really the, the necessary extension. That's just what I know from GCC. LLVM didn't really seem to specify what sort of what they preferred. So I'm just assuming that they're going to go along with with GCC's defaults. Okay. So that was that was that uh and what was that exactly? Let's look. Clang dash dash help pipe it to most dash e is the preprocessor. That's technically what the that's that's that. The dash capital E runs just the preprocessor. So the equivalent of that in the GCC workflow that I had demonstrated in 398 would have been CPP, C preprocessor, hello.c redirect to hello.i. That's all we've done. Just preprocessed the code. Preprocessed the code. Okay, so now we'll do a, um, I think the only way to go from here that I know of is again with clang. And that is the clang dash dash help to less uh it's dash capital s if i could find that here it is only run the preprocessor and compilation steps okay so we're going to do clear clang dash capital s dash emit llvm hello dot i so we're running it on the the expanded code although to be honest we don't have to uh, we, you, you can run it on just on hello.c. It, it'll run that preprocessor step. There's a little bit of overlap there. And that produces hello.ll. And that is considered human-readable bitcode. That's what a .ll file is. If you look at it, it's actually not not a very long file. Hello.ll. I mean, well, for my little hello.world, or hello world application, I should say, it's not a very long file. Um, but I mean, compared to, for instance, hello.i. It isn't 742 lines. It's it's a uh, it's it's more in the in the range of of the input that I I gave it. But it's complete gibberish to me. It doesn't look like anything. But it is human readable. It's something that I can cat on my terminal. I can look at it. I get information. Whether I know what to do with that information or not is completely a different question. I have no idea what to do with that information. But there you go. That's the .ll file. Now this can be useful for commands like llvm-as. So we're skipping ahead a little bit over llc, lli, llvmar, and uh, over to llvm-as, but that's okay. Uh, llvm-as, as you may be able to guess, is an assembler. Uh, let's see what the website says about it. llvm-as, according to its website, is the LLVM assembler. It reads a file containing human-readable LLVM assembly language, translates it to LLVM bitcode, and writes the results to a file or to standard out. So let's give it a go. LLVM-AS, our input is going to be hello.ll, and I think that's all we really need. And that finishes silently but produces, it, it, it leaves us with a hello.bc file. And if I do a, hel- if I do a file on hello.bc, it tells me 
that it's an LLVM space IR space bitcode. And that is the, that's the LLVM bitcode file that isn't really human readable. Uh, in fact, I think if I recall correctly, when I was doing some command, it even sort of warned me against outputting the, the bitcode straight to my, to my standard out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not very human readable. Um, but that is, that's the, the bitcode of what would run, uh, of, of what would drive that application. Um, you can take that bitcode and turn it into assembly language with LLC. So that is the next command in the list. Um, LLC, if I do hello.bc-o hello.s, I guess. Again, LLVM doesn't seem to really care about necessarily the, the file extensions, or they don't really talk about it. So I'm just going to do a .s. Oh, it, it, it is, actually. It does talk about that in the LLC command. It says, um, if no-o is specified, it creates a file name by taking the input file name, removing any existing .bc, and adding a .s. Oh, that's cool. So I won't do a .o here. I'm just going to see if that actually does what it says it's going to do. I had not noticed that before. LLC space hello.bc should leave us with a hello.s, and yes, it does. If I do a file on hello.s, I see that it is assembler source ASCII text hello.s. That's LLC. Um, it could do that from, I think, the LL file as well. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't complain, so I'm assuming that it did that. Um, so yeah, LLC is happy to process either the human readable bitcode or the not so human readable bitcode. So it's a .ll or a .bc, doesn't care. Either way, it produces hello.s, which is a simpler code. Now, interestingly, I think it is with, I think it's with LLI. Yeah, LLI is a cool little command and that's next in the line. So you've gotten your LLC, you've gotten your LLVMAS, I think. I feel good about both of those. Let's talk about LLI real quick. And that is going to be, see what its website says about it. It is a, uh, okay, so LLI directly executes programs in LLVM bitcode format. It takes a program in LLVM bitcode format and executes it using a just-in-time compiler or interpreter. Interpreter, I guess, maybe is what the I stands for. Could be. Uh, it stresses that it is not an emulator. It is not an emulator. It will not execute IR of different architectures, and it can only interpret or just-in-time compile. That's JIT compile for the host architecture. The JIT compiler takes the same arguments as other tools like LLC, but they don't necessarily work for the interpreter. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. So that's kind of cool. Um, and it can also read from standard in, which a lot of these tools can. Um, but so, I mean, in other words, you could pipe something to this. But what it means is that you could end up with a .ll file and just run LLI hello.ll and you get hello world. And the same goes for LLI hello.bc, or, or I should just say .ll or .bc files. So human-readable or not-so-human-readable bitcode, just-in-time compiled by LLI. All right, let's move on and look at LLVM-AR next. LLVM-AR is an archive tool. It is, as the internet will tell you a million times if you look, it is similar to the AR command. Um, of course, 
in terms of documentation, that's really not a great way to, to explain the function of something I have found, but that's that, that seems to be what we're going with. So LLVM dash AR. Let's let's step through this. Uh dash AR dash Oh, okay, so with with no options, you don't even have to do help, actually. Um, it, it spits out about two screenfuls of, of, of what it calls help, and it says that LLVMAR is expected options, overview, LLVM archiver, LLVM-AR. This program archives bitcode files, so we're looking at the .ll or the .bc files, into single libraries. Usage, LLVM-AR, options, rel pose, count, archive, file, and members. Okay, so that's the structure of the command. And then it gives us options, which is just really about two screenfuls of, of options that may as well, like, I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to parse that, really. So I feel like I'm imagining that if I, if this were the first time I was using this tool, I would, I would assume that the options aren't important because they're options. Options. Optional. So I'll skip those. Rel pose, well, there's, I'm not really sure what, what rel pose means, but I'm probably guessing that it's relative position, something like that. Count, probably not important. So, okay, so anyway, archive file, all right, I get that I'm probably supposed to make that up, and then members, and this, so that that's probably the files that I want to put into the archive. Seems pretty straightforward. So LLVM-AR, and then the archive name. Let's do, actually, let me remove some cruft here. Okay, so LLVM-AR, so hello.a for my archive name. And into that, I'll put just hello.bc, because that's the only bitcode file I've got. Oh, it gives me the help menu again. So no no indication, really, of what I've done wrong there. It, it just gives me the overview again and sort of reinforces the same thing that it did when I gave it absolutely no information whatsoever. So I find in in providing help, that's often a bad... I, I don't find that very helpful. I find that bad practice. To, to give the same exact help, whether someone has put in zero data or some data. Because you figure if you've got some data, you should be able to at least tell them what they did wrong, right? You, you've provided an archive name, and I needed something else, um, whatever. So that's sort of not an optimal experience, I don't think. So, okay, I guess what it's trying to tell me in a roundabout way is that these aren't as as optional as maybe the term options would maybe suggest. So options, it gives me a list. Well, here's one that's kind of interesting. It's dash format equals default, D-E-F-A-L-U-T, Defalut, GNU, and BSD. I would, again, think that defalut, or default, would be enough, but let's be specific and assume that what we need to tell it is that we're on a GNU system here, and so that's what we are looking for. This is an option, so it's going to go in the options slot of the usage syntax. So that'll go before hello.a and hello.bc. So LLVM-AR dash format equals GNU. Hello.a, hello.bc. Again, a big dump of, of, of helpful options with no guidance whatsoever. Not, not, a, not a lick of guidance. So I could do this all day, and the, the same thing would happen. Like, it would just keep giving me this nonsensical help menu. Like, that's all I would get from it. So maybe 
at some point I would go to the website and look around and see if they've get, got any hints on the LLVM.org website, the documentation. So in LLVM-AR, uh, it tells me that it's common. It, it, it's similar to the common Unix utility AR. It archives several files, such as objects and LLVM bitcode, into a single archive library that can be linked into a program. However, the archive can, t can contain any kind of file. It generates a symbol table that makes linking much faster because the symbol table only needs to be consulted, not each file member. So that's good. So this is about like why it's important. Oh, and look here, it says LLVMAR command can be used to read archive files in a bunch of different formats and write in GNU, BSD, and Darwin-style archives. If an SVR4 format archive is used with, with the R replace D delete M move Q quick update, the archive will be reconstructed in the format defined by dash dash format. Okay, so this is very confusing to me because in the help menu there was no mention of an RDM Q operations. Don't know what those are in context. And furthermore, the dash dash format uh, doesn't exist. If I do that, it tells me it's uh, not a supported option and that I need to do a dash format. But who knows, maybe that's just the way my LLVM was compiled, or maybe I'm using an older LLVM. So who knows? Uh, here's where LLVM AR departs from previous AR implementations. The following is not supported, and it gives me a bunch of stuff that I can't do with it. Uh, the symbol table, the deterministic archives, the windows paths, options. It operates on these options, and then it tells me that operations are compatible with other AR implementations. However, there are a few modifiers, L, that are not required, that are not found in other AR modifiers. So it turns out, long story short, is that there's a whole category of operations that is not provided by the help menu of the LLVM-AR command on your system. So you could look through your help menu all day long. You could try out every single oper uh, every single option in every single potential combination, and it would never work. You look at the usage, it mentions nothing about operations. It's just LLVM-AR options, and then the archive name, and then the members. Like, that's all it tells you. Turns out what it's not telling you is that there's this whole other category of operations that they don't list in the command help, and you have to go to the online documentation to learn about them. Now, does that get you farther with this command? Not necessarily, because there's no usage here. It doesn't tell you where to put those, those operations. Oh, no, it does. Sorry, up here at the top. It does give you the it gives you the list just a literal set of of the letters and you have to correlate dmpqpqrstx oh those are the same letters in the operations part actually they're not but it's there's a strong overlap between those two those two sets of of letters well i guess that must mean that they go there and then eventually you might figure out that the one that you, the, the operation that you are trying to achieve is the R operation. It doesn't necessarily seem like that would be your first choice because the immediate association with R, at least for me, would be replace. And in fact, the documentation says it replaces existing files 
or inserts them at the end of the archive if they do not exist. Now similarly, there's a quick append, Q, quick append file to an archive without removing duplicates. If no files are specified, the archive is not modified, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I guess you'd get there immediate, uh, eventually, but whether you'd get there right away, I, I strongly question. So apparently what it's telling me is LLVM-AR space R. And then I guess I shouldn't need any options. And then hello.a, hello.bc. And then it creates hello.a for me. And now I've got an archive file, hello.a. That is the a, it's an AR archive containing a bunch of bitcode that has a symbol table associated with it so that it can be quickly referenced and used. I, I have to say that's one of the least pleasant interactions with a command I have had in a very, very long time. It was pretty infuriating, and I feel like that kind of documentation is... I mean, that's the that's the kind of documentation that just it gives sort of the whole terminal experience a bad name, because there was really... There was, and we could compare it, in fact, to make this a little bit more constructive, maybe. Although, actually, I feel like it is constructive to say that that was a, not a good experience. But if I do say, for instance, AR, hello.a, hello.bc, so this is the, 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 the AR version that comes on the system. I think it's probably from uh, Ben Utils or something. Um, well, it tells me that AR space, space hello-a, hello.bc says invalid option E. I don't know what that means. I, I did, oh, I guess it's the second E of hello, maybe. Um, but it says usage AR emulation options. Okay, so I need an emulation option, um, and then a big string of letters that means nothing to me. But if I if I compare them to my commands, then I see that they, those those are the letters being referred to are the commands. Not great still, but at least it's listed there. Uh, and then another string of letters which turn out to correlate to the command specific modifier list. And then plugin name. Don't know what that's talking about. Member name. Again, I guess that means the files that I want to put into the, the thing. Maybe count, I don't know. Archive file, okay, that's the archive file that I want to create. And then the file, oh, that's the stuff I want to put into the archive. Okay, not perfect experience by any means, but at least it's giving me some pointers. So if I do AR, and then here under the section called emulation options, it says um, AR supported targets, ELF 64-X... 86-64, and I want to create hello.a, and then I want to put into dot, into that the hello.bc. Well, that didn't work, but it does give me um, some hint here that it wants a target name. So I could put ar-target equals elf64. 8664. Oh, but then if I look back up here at the usage, I remember that I haven't put in an operation yet, a, a command rather, as they say. Um, once again, these commands are very confusing. The, there's a quick append. Let's try that. Oh, that actually did work. Uh, creating hello.a. So that worked. Or I could do uh, hello or ar space r to create a new one, and that would uh, uh, do the same thing. So ar at least gives you the actual things that it needs in a roundabout way. It took me about maybe five minutes to rem to sort of figure out from 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 its help menu 
how to how to get from here to there. Uh, whereas LLVM dash AR, it just it 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 lies to you in its output, which I feel like this is bad practice. You should not make people, um, you, you know, it would be better to put no help there. In other words, I'm saying it would be better to say command cannot be processed, refer to online documentation. That would be better than giving me a list of options and never telling me that a special operation was needed that you then don't even list. A little bit of feedback there. All right. Let's, we've already done LLVM-AS, so we don't have to do that one, um, but, oops, um, oh, that's interesting, I just accidentally opened up an editor. Okay, so, um, LLVM-BC Analyzer is next, and you can probably guess what that's gonna do. So, LLVM-BC Analyzer, hello.bc, sure enough, it analyzes the BC, it, it analyzes the bitcode that pr got produced through earlier commands. Gives you a lot of information, uh, block IDs, instances, total sizes, percentages of files, record histogram, count bits, all kinds of information. Next up is LLVM-C-Test. It is kind of a multi-purpose tool. It's kind of an interesting one. It's got, um, and, and it's got really pretty, uh, pretty nice little help menu, to be honest, since I've just spent several minutes critiquing the, the, the poor help system of LLVM-AR. LLVM-C-Test comes across as a little bit more useful. So LLVM-C-Test, I guess, is more of a suite. Um, and I guess it is technically part of the test suite, although I'm not exactly sure on how, how it's associated with it because it doesn't actually get mentioned in the test suite that I could find the documentation. But anyway, LLVM-C-Test, it does a couple of things. Like, some of them are easy to demonstrate, like LLVM-C-Test. Well, first of all, I'll just hit return. Thankfully, it gives me a help menu. And it says commands, dash dash, module dump, read bytecode from standard in, print disassembly, dash dash, lazy dash module dash dump, lazily read bytecode from standard in, print disassembly, new module dump, lazy new module dump, module list functions, and so on. So you, you get a good, you get a pretty good little listing of everything. So disassembly is really neat because we know that, for instance, we have hello.bc, which is that LLVM IR bitcode. And if you cat that to, to your terminal, it will mess up your terminal. And so you'll have to type reset, R-E-S-E-T. You, you won't probably be able to see everything that you're typing, so just kind of blindly type it and then hit return, and that ought to restore your terminal back to its sort of fresh state. But um, if we do a cat of hello.bc and pipe it to llvm-c-test with dash dash module dash dump, you actually get the human readable version of of that bytecode in your terminal. You can verify that that's human readable. Well, you can you can see that it's human readable. You can verify that it's similar to hello hello.ll, um, the same as hello.ll, and but by looking at hello.ll, which of course, if you'll recall, we generated with clang dash capital S dash emit dash llvm hello dot C or hello.i, whatever you have on hand. So that's the disassembly, that's this disassembled version of that bitcode, which is really neat. That's very, very cool. Uh, you could also do, what was it, like a function, a dump functions or something? Where was that? Uh, module list functions, dash, dash, module, dash, list, dash, functions. So let's try that. 
instead of a module dump, we'll do dash dash module dash list functions, and that works. Function declaration print f um, declare i32 print f bunch of information about about what's going on in this in this code. Doesn't make sense to try to go through every single option. I mean, there are only 12 of them, but still, I think you get the idea. Not all of them are going to operate off of bit code. Some of them are going to take other kinds of files or, you know, other kinds of inputs. But generally speaking, that this is kind of what it does. It's an analytical kind of tool. It's going to report back about whatever you're feeding it based on which you would choose, you know, what you would feed it based on what you feel like you need to know. LLVM, very fun, very cool. Let's take a coffee break and we'll get back to it. Let's take a break for a moment from LLVM with our coffee and do some listener email. I figure um, this might actually be a good cadence. Rather than opening with listener email or dedicating an entire show to listener email, maybe try a listener email immediately after the coffee break, kind of get back into the show gradually. We'll try it out for a while. This email is from you, Andre, and he says, Hi there again. On episode 381, when talking about GNU Screen and Tmux, you mentioned that you chose C uh, Control J for the key prefix for both, since Control A is a very useful go to the beginning of the line shortcut. The default for Tmux is Control B, which is also an overload on the go back one character shortcut. I initially picked Control X for the prefix on Tmux, but eventually discovered that Control X Control E is also a shortcut. Now, my prefix was also in conflict with something that I discovered to be useful. It opens your editor, as defined by the environment variable for editor, with the content of what you've typed so far, so you can compose a a more complex command. After exiting the editor, it immediately executes the contents of the temporary file it opened for you. So this is Clat2 again. That's amazing. I had no idea. I've been using Linux and, and Bash for a long time now, and never knew that trick. So, very cool. Uh, This is Yoandre again. At this point, I started to look for alternatives for prefixes. Control-A, Control-B, and Control-X were out. I tried Control-J, too, but that's a shortcut, too. It acts similarly to return in a way I've seen before. Then it clicked. Control-J is the eval command used by Emacs on Elisp buffers when you want to evaluate the code you've just written, instead of pressing return and jumping to the next line. Also, Control-A and Control-B are Emacs key bindings too. They do the same thing that they do in Bash. Other than that, I've seen a couple of places where Control-J means go down, which is the same as Control-N, both on Emacs and on the terminal. At the same time, Control-K and Control-P are also not candidates for my universal Tmux prefix, because Control-K is kill until the end of line, and Control-P is move up, and they're already taken. I started to find it weird that so many Emacs key bindings worked by default on a shell session, actually a bash session, but I'll get there in a moment. What else from Emacs works? Control-N and Control-P for moving up and down, Control-F and B for forwards and backwards, 
Control A and E for moving to the beginning and the end of the line. Control, I think that's an L, for cycling between centering modes. It kind of works, it only moves upwards, maybe that's reasonable, I don't know. So that's, uh, this is a class 2 again. Control L controls sort of what, what's this, literally the center of your, of your window, of your Emacs buffer. I think you, Andre, is saying that it, it apparently, s- I, I, I thought that was just a shortcut for clear, to be honest. But anyway, uh, this is him again. Control Y for yanking after killing. It works. I didn't expect it to, but it did. Control Delta for, uh, that's D. Control D for deleting a character. It works. I wonder if M movement and deletions work too. Uh, M, so that's Alt on most keyboards. M, F, M, B, M, D, they all work. Okay, this is getting weird. Many of the things from stock Emacs are also in a stock shell. But where do those come from? Reading Bash's documentation, I see that they refer to it as readline key bindings, and that's where it all comes from. GNU readline for Bash and competing implementations such as editline. All those key bindings are what you get when you embed readline in your prompt, or alternatively use rlwrap command for a command that doesn't do any line editing. And those are all the Emacs mode. That probably means that there are other modes, and indeed there are, Vi being the most obvious one. You can pick which mode you want by se- by using set-o Emacs, which is the default, or set-o Vi. So, at last, knowing where to look for the complete list of key bindings uh, that bash or anything that uses readline, rlwrap, or any of the alternatives, I could now pick the definitive key binding for my tmux prefix so that I wouldn't have to switch to another one and retrain my muscle memory yet again. After browsing to the long list of readline key bindings available with info bash bindable readline commands, or online, put the link in the show notes, I tried finding the key combination that wasn't listed and didn't conflict with anything else, and control J indeed isn't bound to anything, and it is just an alias for return. Also, every program I can think of has CN as an alias for CJ, so that's a reasonable candidate. At the time, I picked either uh, control Q or control V because they were the only key bindings that were bound to the same thing, a quoted insert. That meant that I would sacrifice one way to do a quoted insert in order to use that, in order to use uh, my, as my tmux prefix, and I chose cv. It was fun to listen to someone with a similar struggle uh, trying to find ways to interact with screen and tmux without messing up existing combinations. Uh, this is so funny because, like, this is, this is how you learn Linux. Like, honestly, people, people ponder that, you know, like, how do I get really good at this stuff? This, this is, I mean, surely you, dear listener, identify with this, right? All you want to do is one simple thing, but it ha- you, you, you need it to be perfect. You won't settle for second best. And so you, you, you decide to find the optimal way to do the thing. And that leads you down a path of surprising discoveries. All you, Andre, wanted to do was find the correct, quote-unquote, correct key binding to, to switch a buffer, or to, or to enter sort of a command mode in Tmux. And suddenly, he's learning about readline and rlwrap and bash and all these other things. Now, some of these keyboard shortcuts mentioned I, I was well aware of, but I, I didn't quite understand the relationship between all those keyboard shortcuts and readline specifically. So really getting a, a solid understanding of where those keyboard shortcuts cuts come from, how they're configured, how they're set, where they're listed, where to find them, all that stuff is just so cool. So, so interesting. And I think it's kind of interesting how much something like that, like that knowledge, it, it, it puts a lot of other things into context. I mean, f- for instance, for me, the, the 
the uh, guile repl was completely useless until I discovered about RL wrap, which is only a thing because of read line, read line wrap. ZSH, a lot of people get excited about ZSH. I mean, rightly so, it's a great shell. But one of the reasons I hear cited for ZSH often is, well, you can have Vi key bindings. But, you know, I mean, that's, and I, I've known that that's not just a ZSH feature. I've, I've known that. I don't remember how I learned it. But for people to, to sort of not understand that that's not a feature of ZSH at all, but a feature of readline, I mean, that's a, that's an important thing. Not, not in a, not in the sense that, oh, look at how silly ZSH is. No, it's more like, look at how useful readline is. And knowing about readline and what it does for us is, I guess, I guess, empowering in the sense that now you can use readline intelligently. You can use it in other things. You can, you can use RL wrap. You can, you know, you you understand where the features are coming from, and that's just one of those things that I just don't know that people who aren't into, I guess, really understanding how computing works quite understand. And I don't know that certainly in a closed source operating system environment, you, you just don't have. Well, I mean, in a, I mean, you. If you're on a closed source, non-open operating system, you, you have access to open source, so more than likely. So you could you could experience the beauty of Bash and Readline, or ZSH and Readline, or, or Tmux and Readline, or whatever. But the it, outside of that, outside of the open source, so in a, in a non-open application, you don't have the knowledge of that. You'll never have the, that knowledge, because you just don't get that you don't get the privilege of seeing how things fit together exactly in the same way. I mean, you can, you can still run... Well, no, see, I'm, I, every time I try to come up with an exception, I fall back onto open source. I'm sure there's a way to understand, to some degree, a non-open operating system. Like, you can gain an understanding, but you can't gain this level of understanding. And that's cool if you want this level of understanding. There, that's, that's, the, that's the correct way of stating what I was trying to state. Okay, let's talk about llvm dash config. LLVM-config is really, really cool. It's a really useful, direct and to the point little application. I'm, I'm a big fan of this. And I think that I'll, I could see myself using this even if I never use LLVM, interestingly, because while it is called LLVM-config, it's really kind of a, a CC config. It's kind of like, here's what your environment is for your C compiler or your C++ compiler. LLVM-config with no arguments gives you an actually helpful uh, menu. So it tells you that you can get various configuration information needed to compile programs which use LLVM. That's it. So LLVM-config, and then it tells you, you know, what, what kind of information you can query here. So LLVM-config-prefix, for instance, slash user. Now I know my prefix. How about my libdir, dash dash libdir, user lib64. So now I know my default libdir. Where are my libs stored? Where, where, where's, where, where's LLVM looking for, for all the libraries? Dash dash libs, it gives you the full dump of the default locations for library inclusion. And so on. Lots and lots of different options to look at. They're listed right there on the help screen. It, it only takes up about half of a screen, so it's not that much to sort of muddle through. It could be very useful just as a quick reference. I mean, this is information that you you more or less get from like a dot slash configure, dash dash help, or dash dash options, whatever it is. 
it, it, it kind of tells you in that big list of what the default are or what it's set to currently. But this, this is a really easy way to get that information just kind of on demand. I love this. This that that's a really really clever command. Okay, this is probably the last one for this episode. So let's do gcov or rather llvm-cov, which, as far as I can tell, is kind of a weirdly sort of pale front end to gcov. I, I don't know. It's it's a bit weird. So llvm-cov hit return, and the three options that it that it has available to you are gcov show and report. So gcov the, the subcommand works with the gcov format. And as far as I can tell, that's not an option, really. llvm-cov hello.c, unrecognized command hello.c. So as far as I can tell, like, you have to do gcov, I think. Um, if you do llvm-cov show hello.c, then it says... Uh, it, this is literally, this is verbatim what it says, llvm-cov space show colon for the dash instr dash profile option colon must be specified at least once. Now there's no mention of dash instr dash profile in the help menu on my screen. Like all that llvm-cov shows are the three subcommands that I've just listed. So I'm not sure what that option is in stir profile. Don't know what that is. Don't know what it wants me to specify. So maybe there is a way to use this without using the gcov subcommand, but I, I'm not finding it and they're not telling it to me. And I'm not going to go to the website and look for their documentation. That's just ridiculous. Under these circumstances, it should be telling me how to use the command from the terminal. And I'm just going to stand by that assertion. llvm-cov gcov hello.c of course that that shouldn't work i wouldn't think so yeah so it, it gives me an error it tells me hello.gcno no such file or directory and this is because if you'll recall from whatever episode i you i did gcov in which i i mean it would have been sometime around gcc because it that's a it's a command that ships with gcc so sometime around those episodes gcov you you might recall that there are some options. I think I, I did gcov, or did I skip over it because it was too complex? I'm not sure. So um, anyway, there are some options. There's dash f profile arcs, and there's dash f test dash coverage. Those are the two options that are required to build a binary that has the test coverage hooks in it. So I figured, okay, well, I know that we can do that with GCC, so let's try it with clang or clang, whatever. Uh, so I did clang-fprofile-arcs-ftest-coverage-hello.c, and then for output, uh, so -o-hello. And that indeed creates a binary called hello and a file called hello.gcno. If I cat hello.gcno, uh, it's stuff that I can't understand. It's binary data. Uh, in fact, let me, let's do a file on that. It says that... This file um, contains GCC, GCNO coverage, dash F test coverage version 4.2. Now, if I run the binary, actually, let me do an ls dash L on hello. It's 38800. And let's do a file on hello just to see what it what it reports. 
about itself. Uh, not really much information there. Okay, that's fine. I was just curious. So d dot slash hello, hello world. And now if I do an ls, I see that there's there are yet more um, files in this directory. Default dot profra, P-R-O-F-R-A-W, and hello dot G-C-D-A. And let's do a file on those. File on the default is empty, and file on hello.gcda says that it's gcda coverage, which is provided by dash f profile dash arcs version 4.2. Okay, so that's that that's hooking into the compile options provided by Clang through those that test coverage and profile arcs options. Now llvm dash cov, what does it want to do with that information? That's a really good question. I would think that the correct uh, process would be llvm-cov, and then I guess, I guess gcov, hello.c. Um, I'm going to venture, I'm going to just kind of hazard a, a, a trial here where I don't use gcov. So llvm-cov, hello.c, unrecognized command. Okay, so it really wants that gcov sub subcommand. So llvm-cov space gcov space hello.c. It should give me a report. It says hello, file hello.c, lines executed 100% of two. <laughs> hello.c created hello.c.gcov. So that has produced a, a little gcov report. And let's look at it really quick. Yeah, it's got some information in there about what the source file um, contains. It gives us a little graph in the form of the GCNO, and it gives us all the data in GCDA, tells us how many times it's been run, how many programs it contains, and kind of gives an overview of the code that was that was tested. So it's not super useful, not super interesting uh, in, in terms of a Hello World application, and I, I don't have a larger application to sort of to, to do a, a really good demonstration of it, but that's that's essentially enough to get started. Certainly, that generates the gcov file and does the profile. Although, you know what? We have a little bit more time, so let's let let's look at what one does with all of this information because it it, it can be a little bit. I don't know. I don't feel like this is super self-explanatory. Now, um, I think that the cool the coolest demo of this actually involves a tool that is not installed on Slackware by default. It doesn't come with gcov or llvm. It's called lcov, and it's in it's on slackbuilds.org, so if you're on Slackware, you can install it from slackbuilds.org. If you're not, it's it's all over the place. You, you'll be able to find it, I, and of course, I'll have a, sh a link in the show notes. But lcov kind of parses a gcov file and can even generate a really nice visual so the way that you do that is that you you run so after you've installed lcov in your code directory you run lcov dash dash capture dash dash initial dash dash directory and then you can just put a dot because it's the current directory if you're in your your code directory and then dash dash output or i guess dash dash o i'm not sure yeah dash dash output dash file uh, and then so, some name of a file the the lcov system prefers to use a .info file, so I just saved it out as a hello.info file. So that's lcov-capture-initial-directory here. 
or whatever directory you're looking at, but I'm, I'm just doing it from within this code directory, and then dash dash output dash file hello.info. That generates an info file, and what do you do with an info file? Well, you could look at it. I mean, it, it, it has info in it. However, there's a really cool command called genhtml. It comes with lcov, so it won't, again, won't be on your system if you have not installed lcov, but genhtml parses the info file and turns it into a nice visual representation. So the command for that is pretty straightforward. It's genhtml hello.info, so that's the, the, the file you are looking at, and then dash dash output dash directory, and then give it a name, output HTML. And then you can open up uh, Firefox HTML slash index.html, and that gives you a nice little representation, again, with a demonstration of hello world is, is not the best demonstration. There, there's probably a better uh, code example that I could have chosen for, for something like this, um, but I didn't think that far ahead, I guess. But anyway, Elkov Gen HTML, it's a, it's a really neat tool. Take a look at it. It is well worth checking out if you're doing, you know, like reports on coverage. I think that's about it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We're almost through the LLVM stuff now. I mean, I can see the end of the bin directory so it, on my screen, so that's that's progress. We'll get there. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open such a powerful medium of communication that we've never had before.